Today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. I suppose you would think of it as time travel. The reason for this excursion is we'd like to offer you a little taste of our Patreon. This episode will be following Frost Coindelver. However, in our Patreon, we have episodes for both Asariel and Makepeace, as well as other content like talkbacks and other side stories. Anyway, close your eyes and listen to the sound of my voice. Imagine a city is set on the edge of a mountain. For most of the year, it is frigidly cold. There are summers, but... They're the kind that you blink and you miss them, and mostly they involve mud. The people here are very diverse. There are several types of buildings from all over the world. However, everyone there is foreign. You see, this is where people trade, where people from the outside come and meet the locals and all that sort of thing. No one really likes it up there, is what I'm getting at. Now... If you go to the mountain, you'll find a set of massive iron doors. The doors swing open soundlessly, as if by magic. Though the city tells everyone it is by clever artifice. They're lying, of course, but everyone likes to believe it, and you know it's their city, so shut the hell up. As our eyes adjust to the dimness of the underground... We see massive pillars all around us that stretch up into the darkness where a roof should be. The buildings here are squat and blocky and made of stone. In fact, there is very little wood to be seen anywhere. Even the carts are made from milled stone for the wheels. All around us, there are dwarves and goblins and all manner of subterranean intelligent beings and their subterranean beasts of burden, all of them going about their business. And business they do go about, because this is Singravik, the city of commerce, where money is everything, and everything is money. We find ourselves in a small square with a fountain in the middle. Uh, the square is bordered on all sides by two-story stone buildings built very blocky uh, with four pillars on each corner of the square disappearing up into the dark cavern. In the square we see a large crowd of dwarfs, all beards and long hair and clinking chainmail, watching a young dwarf who has none of those things. Thrust, would you care to describe yourself? I'm a dwarf. Almost a dwarfling. No more than 20 years old. Blonde hair. Short blonde beard. Brown eyes. And the most remarkable feature is the weak shoulders. Most dwarves would have strong, robust shoulders. My shoulders are built more like a human's but that doesn't take away from my strength and athleticism. The crowd of dwarfs is watching Thross, uh, because Thross is ostensibly there to be performing. However, Thross, how do you feel about performing? I feel like performing is beneath me as a member of the uh, Four Truths, 
but you got to make a living. So I, um, I'm there, but I'm not happy that I'm there. As you're sitting there, I want you to roll me a perception check. Eight. Starting strong. That makes total sense. Uh, for those of you that have not listened to our other work, that makes total sense. All right, with an eight, uh, with your modifier, that's a 12, correct? All right, with a 12, uh, you're kind of in your own world a little bit, but you do catch, catch a couple of uh, mutterings of, yeah, it's him. It's the one. Thought he'd be bigger. I shake my hearing this in my peripheral hearing. I um, it strikes me with some disappointment in not just the fact that they're saying this, but also with myself. But I'm pushing that down. Thross, would you like to tell us a little bit about your backstory? So, as a young dwarfling, I was committed to the monastery of the Four Truths. We. We speak to, seek to master our mind, body, and soul. As a requirement for mastery of the body, uh, are required to go forth and with a master. And during this trial, I unfortunately witnessed a deal with a literal devil. Everyone was killed in this interaction and this conflict with this devil. I made it out unscathed, and as a result, became somewhat of a hero with my order. I've been traveling around ever since, through all of um, dwarfdom, essentially, as a banner boy. And now that my tour is over, I am reluctant to return to my monastery, so I'm earning a living as best I can with a group of, um, let's say, undesirables. <laughs> All right. And as part of earning a living with your group of undesirables, you are performing, the street performer, essentially doing feats of strength and acrobatics for crowds of dwarf coming to see the boy who... Um, Survived. Uh, so, I want you to describe what you're doing for tricks for me. I have two go-to tricks. One is, and they both involve a bow staff. Very easy to obtain and um, easy to obtain but not easy to master. And during my trial of the body, I managed to master it. It is one of my favorite weapons. So, one of my favorite tricks is to stand on the top of the bow staff while it is uh, perpendicular to the ground. Not for any length of time, but it still takes a lot of skill to do. And my other one is placing the bow staff diagonal to the ground. I put one foot below, one foot above, and I can actually balance there for a significant period of time. So, basically, we're talking like Shaolin monk stuff. Yes. Okay. Alright, I'm going to have you roll first either an athletics or acrobatics check and then that is going to be used for a circumstance bonus for your performance. Um, 
so that would be a 21. A 21. Okay. Uh, give yourself a plus 2 to your performance check. Lucky for me, my performance is not good. It's a 7. That's a 7. Is it a 7 on the die, or is it a 7 total? It's an 8 on the die. It's a 7? Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> you have a minus 3? Oh, sorry, minus 1. I forgot about the 3, so it's, it's a 9. Regardless. I can do math. Um, <laughs> so which trick are you trying first? I'm going to try the vertical bow staff one. So, explain to me how you get up to the top of the staff. I... During a pole vault, say, you take a short run, jam it into the, the, the cobblestones, the ground, whatever we're working on, and propel it up, uh, propel the bow staff perpendicular to the ground, and then, like a monkey on a pole, I try to go up. I think the principal word is try here. You run forward, and you throw your bow staff into the ground, and you start running up it. But as you're running up it, you realize something. You're going to keep going. Uh, so as you try and, and mount the staff, as they say, uh, you find yourself being thrown in a, essentially a long jump, and you fall at the feet of the crowd. Uh, roll a diplomacy check. Seventeen. Seventeen. Okay. Um, with a seventeen, you don't quite get them on your side. But they're like, you hear some sniggering from the crowd. Can I attempt to salvage the situation? That was you salvaging the situation. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but, so you, the, the check for that was a 15 to pass. So people are entertained by the fact that you fell. They're not laughing uproariously, but they think it's kind of funny. I want you to make your next acrobatics check or athletics check. That was you salvaging the situation. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yep. Uh, but so you, the the check for that was a fifteen to pass. So people are entertained by the fact that you fell. They're not laughing uproariously, but they think it's kind of funny. I want you to make your next acrobatics check or athletics check. Okay. I'm going to attempt to roll back. I'm still sitting on the ground. I'm going to roll back. Put the uh, to my feet, put the bow staff, and try to do a diagonal trick now, like the one I described before. So that's a 15. All right, a 15. So with a 15, you do succeed in your, your trick, and you're up in the air. Now roll me a diplomacy check to see how the crowd responds to it. 15, okay. You're getting some, some mild, and that's nice, I guess. They don't hate it. You're not, like, blowing their minds or anything. You hear someone from the crowd, from the back of the crowd shout, We came to see a hero! Here's all the fighting! Show us some moves! I shake my head on the inside with disappointment, <laughs> um, and... I'm going to try to be a little more performative. Um, I'm going to go through some basic exercises that I would have done in the temple. So, just basic stuff. Trying 
to keep their attention. I don't want to lose their attention at this point. First, I want you to roll a perception check. Twenty-three. Uh, with a twenty-three, you very easily see your partner. This is a poppet known as Precious. Uh, a poppet is an animated doll, essentially, and Precious is um, someone's old porcelain, like basically pretty doll. She has long, curly brown hair. Uh, probably came after, off of a real person at some point. Some point, very finely made porcelain face, uh, fine clothes. Her whole body is just reeks of. Uh, her whole body just kind of reeks of wealth and prosperity, and very clearly, she was some rich girl's doll. Some rich girl didn't want because. Precious has been mended so many times, she looks like a Chucky. Um, you see her look at you as you are, you know, kind of keeping people's attention. And you catch her making a hand sign for, you know, pick it up. Pick it up. Noticing this, I, I think... The only step I can have now is to kind of do a sparring match. I'm going to challenge somebody from the crowd. So I uh, place my bow staff on the ground and say, you want to see a real hero? You want to see a real hero fight? Who would like to challenge me? The whole crowd goes silent for a minute. And then out of the crowd walks a massive four. So, you are the, what do you call it, uh, Mook? Mook? Religious man, right? Yes, to put it simply. Great. I came here because I heard that you were the best of the best. All I've seen you do is some stupid tricks. What kind of warrior are you? If have you ever even been to war? Have you, has your life ever even been in danger? You are a child. Have you? Have you ever been to war? Have you ever been in danger? I wear the sword, don't I? Obviously, I have fought. Obviously? Obviously. Could have fooled me. Oh, you dwarf. You are asking for it. Name your terms and your challenge, sir. I will leave that up to you. Hmm. The, uh, I'm fine with either fists or sword. He draws his katana from his side and says, Swords it is then, young man. Prepare to die. I uh, go over to the wall where my temple sword is leaning, and I pick it up and face off with him. Thrust, can you describe your temple sword for us? Yeah, um, my temple sword is... So, the monastery I'm a part of is not wealthy. At least, to the outside world, we're not wealthy. So, my temple sword reflects that. It's a simple sword with um, an iron cross piece, 
of uh, a block iron crosspiece um, to protect my hands. There is a purple ribbon off of the um, off of the back of the handle. I apologize, I'm blanking on what it's actually called. Pommel. pommel thank you. Off the back of the pommel, and there's on the blade itself there is a slight hook um, at the very tip, um, which is our favorite method of tripping. Um, uh, one of our techniques is to trip and then attack. So as you pick up your temple sword, the large orc steps into the circle. So this gentleman is covered head to foot in clan tattoos. So he has swirls of ink all over his body. But besides that, he is wearing very, very fine uh, silks uh, that make a, kind of a robe. It's a, it's a kimono. Uh, and at his hip, he's wearing two swords. Uh, one of which is currently in his hand, which is a long katana. Um, roll is roll a society check to see if you know what's going on. Uh, seventeen. Seventeen. Okay, so with the seventeen, you are aware that this person probably comes from the Bergensia Isles, and that he is one of their. Noblemen, most likely. The Vargensi Isles don't really have noblemen, but from your understanding of how it works, this is the closest they get. He is basically squaring off against you and getting ready to fight. Is there anything you want to say before you guys start fighting? I'm going to say, what is um, the goal here? To disable first blood, what would you like? Oh, I'm going to kill you, boy. Okay, that's to the death. To the death. To the death. I look at the guards, if there are any nearby. Say, so you heard that, right? Uh, roll perception? Nine. Nine. Um, you say that out loud, hoping a guard hears it. You don't see any around you, but, you know, fingers crossed. But it's also part of the showmanship. Yep. Um... The group uh, around you is getting very excited about the prospect of watching a fight to the death. Uh, the crowd is growing exponenti exponentially as uh, more and more dwarves crowd in. Uh, you're even starting to see some humans, uh, some droger, which are like dwarves with like dusky gray skin and white eyes. Uh, you're seeing some deep gnomes crowd around you. Just just every the whole cross section of Cardosia is just just showing up. Um, so, as you guys begin to square off, I want you to roll initiative. Okay. 14. Alright. So, as you square off with this orc, he looks at you and he says, My name, boy, is... Ishirokin to Sakru the Fourth, and I am going to cut your head from your shoulders. It's a mouthful of a name. Mouthful of an orc. I give a very confused look. As you do, he closes the distance with you and makes his first attack. So, 
um, Ishin runs up to you and just swings as hard as he can. There's a 15 hit. It does not. Okay. He just swings his heart out at you. Um, roll perception. 24. 24. Okay. As he swings at you, you very quickly realize this is not someone that swings that sword. Okay. Uh, he reserve, reverses his grip and comes back at you. Uh, that is a 16. 16 is exactly my AC. Okay. Um, so he's going to deal five damage. So he comes back across, uh, with his sword and on his return strike, he just cuts right up inside your belly, um, causing damage. You've had worse, but it hurts. And he comes back around with another strike overhand. And that is going to be a, what's your AC? 16. Okay, so in that case, that is going to be a 4. So, that, folks, is what we call a critical failure. So, the way we handle a critical failure is we are going to roll a percentage. If he rolls low enough, he hurts himself. He does not. He rolls a 100. Just my luck. On a 100, he still hits. That is going to be a five. So he's, he swings down, misses, swings back up, just kind of raises you. And then he just trips a little bit and stumbles forward. And as he does, he just quickly cuts at you. It almost accidentally just gets the edge of your arm for another five damage. What do you do? I really don't want to kill him. So what my goal here is is to trip him, disable him. And win the fight that way. So my first step is going to be to trip. I'll give you a plus two circumstance bonus on that because he already botched on his last uh, roll. Okay, so that would be an 18 then. An 18, an 18 works. So he would be... So when you trip him, uh, describe how you trip him to the ground. So I would take the slice on my arm. And as he slices my arm... I would take the little hook on my temple sword and pull out his leg. And then as he one leg is out, I would push up against the sword that's already cutting me and force him over balance and he'd fall. Okay. Um, so as Ishin falls to the ground, um, he just kind of squawks in protest to what he believes is very uh, a very unfair thing. And he just looks at me and goes, That is cheating! Stand like a man! He says as he is prone on the ground. Go ahead and make your second action. Uh, does speaking count as an action? Do you want to have the speaking have an effect? No. I just want to um, respond to his comment about standing like a man. Okay, go for it. I am standing like a man. You're the one on the ground. <laughs> Alright. And then I'm going to... I guess, I'm going to take an attack. So that would be 18 minus 1 is 17. Sorry, brain fart there. For my attack, uh, the second attack. Uh, I don't believe the trip counts against your attack rolls. Okay, then. Uh, so it would be your full bonus on this, and then you would have a minus on the second. Okay, so it's 18. 18? Um, what's your bonus to your attack? Plus 4. 
Yeah, that hits. Struggling with numbers today, guys. Ten. Ten? Ten damage? Yes. Okay. So as he's laying on the ground, describe how you strike him. I am still going for more disarming, so I'm going to aim for his sword hand. Okay. What was your roll? Ten. No, what was your what was your full attack roll? Was it oh, um, it was an eighteen. Eighteen. Okay. That. Okay. So if you want to disarm him, you need to make you need to do it as an action, unless your weapon has a disarm feature. No, sorry, I. I'm literally trying to disarm him. Oh! Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, you hack right into his arm and just get right into the meat of that. You are still stopped by the bone, but he is very clearly in a lot of pain. Make, you, make your next attack. So that would be 14. 14? A 14 hits? 12. 12 damage? Plus 4, yes. Okay, you're using your tavern, your, uh, not tavern sword. Uh, you're using your temple sword? Well, for me, it could be a tavern sword, but yeah. yes, <laughs> my temple sword. Uh, all right. Please describe how you end this, man. The um, My temple sword on the hook part has also a flat blade. It's not so much a stabbing sword as a slashing sword. So as uh, the flat blade on the top, I take it two-handed and slam it down on his arm. Um, right at the uh, bicep. Severing his arm entirely. Yes. Okay. His arm just separates right at the bicep, going through bone and muscle, and just squirts of blood start coming off as he looks over in horror at his sword arm just being taken off. And then he passes out. Roll a performance check for me, please. Also mentally, I'm preparing for a medicine check for him. So that would be, uh, that would be an 11. An 11? As you finish your battle, roll a perception check. 25. 25. Okay. The massive crowd that had formed around you guys seems to dissipate a little bit. It seems like your fight wasn't really that interesting. And a lot of them have wandered away. You see Precious standing there with her arms crossed, just looking kind of upset. Um, the way Precious has expressions is that uh, she basically takes a cloth and wipes her face clean and then draws new expressions on her. And she has intentionally drawn a frown on her face as she's looking at you. And also, you notice that while before you couldn't really get the attention of the guards... You have their attention now. And uh, several guards are walking over to you as this unconscious orc is bleeding out uh, next to you. Precious looks around at the guards, uh, does some thief hand signs uh, that... uh, Do do you understand? No. Okay. So she takes out a, a chalkboard and writes on it. Meet me at the hideout and just takes off. What do you do? Again, internally, I shake my head. Um, I can't believe this is where I've kind of sunk into. But I do my medicine check on him. I want to make sure he survives. Okay. Uh, So what that would be is called 
a administer first aid check. That's your medicine check. Um, do you have healer's tools? I don't, but I can easily. Uh, I was thinking more of a tourniquet for his arm. Okay. With a cloth and a stick. Have, okay. Cloth I'm gonna stick. have you roll a flat. Um, Give me a flat intelligence check to see if you can find the necessary tools and improvise something to make a tourniquet. What's your roll? Two. That's a two. Okay, you look around and all you can see that could possibly be a tourniquet is a couple pieces of wood that you think you could wedge together hard enough. I take the wood. Wedge the wood. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm not gonna. I will let you make a medicine check to see whether you what you did. You think it worked, but I will not let you make a first aid check. Go for it. Twenty one. Okay. You understand that you are f- doing something fundamentally stupid, and that you should probably ask the oncoming guards if any of them has a tourniquet. Yes. I turn to the guards. And say, uh, you guys got a first aid kit? Got a tourniquet? One of the guards looks at you and goes, "Well, I we got we got that, but you're gonna you're gonna have to come with us." Okay, but can I stabilize him first? Oh, sure, sure. Then you're then you're in for assault instead of murder. He throws you a uh, first aid kit. Go ahead and use the, the healer's tools to. Make another medicine check. So that would be an 18. 18. Um, with this particular wound, an 18 does not necessarily save his life. Um, yeah. Okay. Make one more medicine check. 23. Alright, a 23 does it. Um, so, you manage to turn it, and the spurts of blood stop coming out of the stump of his arm. Uh, and now you're faced with the guards. Uh, one of them is now standing behind you, they're kind of in a circle around you. And one of them says, Alright, Sonny, it's time for you to come with us. I, I know this looks bad, but he did agree to it. And all these people can witness it. What people? You look around, and there's just no one there. Well, I'll come with you guys. Okay, alright. I'm gonna still keep talking to them, try to convince them out of it, but I, I'm gonna put up no fuss. Okay. Uh, you start getting led through town towards a large... Um, again, it, it, it's dwarven architecture, so it's blocky. Uh, but this is especially large with uh, what you recognize as some very, very, very fine stone. Um, it has a massive double door, uh, made of wood, which is very rare, uh, in Singervik. Usually doors are made of things like other, other stone, uh, but more commonly it's just pieces of leather that have been hardened and hung over the door as flaps. Uh, but this is a real wood door. Um, you go inside... As you enter the large, squat stone building, you now know to be a constabulary, um, you notice a few things. First off, that all of the windows have iron bars over them, and that the iron bars themselves 
are set a little bit wide apart. Um, on top of that, you notice that the building itself um, seems to contain a lot of windows for what's essentially a prison. And uh, give me a perception check real quick. Yeah, this motherfucker was made to be broken out of. Um, so you get led inside, and you are greeted first by a very old, or distinguished-looking um, dwarven gentleman who walks up to you and goes, So, Sonny, you're here causing trouble, are you? I was causing no trouble. I just simply challenged somebody to a performance in the street, and he took it to blood. He took it to blood? He did. Did you have a signed contract? I did not, but there were many witnesses. Doesn't mean anything if it's not signed, Sonny. He drew first, if that makes any difference. Not to me. You're gonna go in our cells, and when... Well, we'll see what happens tonight. He walks away. Um, the other doors around you look just kind of bored. Um, and they're they're kind of looking around being like, Alright, kid. Why don't you go get in that, that cell down there? Uh, I'll go. I'll go peacefully. Pe- one, of, one of the other doors just... <sighs> now, are you sure you want to go peacefully? Can I roll a perception? 19. You haven't gotten any net 20s yet. Um, yeah, with a 19, it, it seems weird. Everything seems weird for let's be in a prison. You've heard stories of the guards of Singervik um, chasing down criminals, like fights in alleyways. Like They're, they're very heroic. Um, and this is not what you were expecting. But besides that, you don't get anything out of it. So, can I look around and, uh, like, what what does the hallway kind of look like? So, the when you walk into the, the atrium there, there is a large uh, square room. There is a booking desk, uh, which is like a long wooden table with, like, breaks in it. Um, with various dwarves at it, just kind of writing out stuff. There are several other people in there. Um, as even as you're in the room, one guy stands up, punches one of the uh, guards in the face, and takes that off the door. Uh, several guards, escapee, escapee, and run out after him, uh, carrying like nets and hooks and things to catch a person. Um, roll perception. 17. 17. Um, they seem pretty excited about the idea of going after this guy. Uh, Do the guards around me go look at this guy as well? Uh, with the 17, you don't catch that. Okay. Um, Is there more than one exit? Sorry. None of your guards go with them. Okay. They're cool. all sticking with you. Is there more than one exit? Um, yes. There is the front door that you came in. There is another side door uh, to your right. There is another door that seems to be on the second floor to your left that seems to leave outside, and all of the windows are super broad, mm-hmm. uh, and you feel like you could probably get out of them. There are bars on the other side, so you have to deal with that somehow. Okay. 
Uh, but again, they look oddly wide. Okay, so I'm just going to walk to my cell. Uh, okay. Are the guards following me? The, the guards follow you in, um, and as you walk to your cell, uh, one of the guards looks at you and goes, All right, kid. Yeah, are, are you sure you don't want to try and like knock me out or something? I know you're one of those weapon of a body monks. So, and I mean, you're, you're still got that big sword there. You could just, you know, attack or something. I know what you're trying to do. You're not I, gonna... I, I'm not trying to do anything, boy. I'm, I'm just, just making commentary as we walk you to your cell very slowly. And he looks at you expecting it. I... So, you said there's a door to my right? So you guys have proceeded into the into the hallway now. So, all of the doors along the hallway are open. Mm -hmm. All of the cell doors... Give me one more perception check. Yeah. Please beat an 18. Yes, it's a um, 23. Okay. With a 23, as you're walking by the cells, all of the cells also have large body size windows with grates that you are now positive you could just go through. Okay. This place has been made to be broken out of. Um, you've heard a lot of stories of the guards of Singervik chasing down escaped criminals. And you understand why now. You realize this is a racket to rack up renown. Uh, they want to chase you to make money. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I'm just going to peacefully go into my cell. Okay. Um, they continue to lean, lean you down the hallway. They all got hands on their swords. Uh, one guy has a crossbow out. Um, he makes a point as they're walking me like, I'm just saying, this crossbow here, not even cocked. Like, very unprofessional of me to leave this uncocked. So if you were to run, you would get to at least a couple of seconds before I could fire an errant bolt at you that would never hit if you just ran, boy. Gonna peacefully go to my peacefully okay, go, go to my the, cell. You go into the cell, and the lead door, lead dwarf, looks at you and goes, "You could have gone at any time. You didn't have to be in here, boy. You, the window's there if you need it." Oh. And then he just slams the door and goes, "No sense of drama," and walks back to uh, the front desk. You are now in an empty cell. There is literally no one else in the cells around you. Um. Roll a society check. Well, that's not good. It's a five. That's a five. Okay. Um. <laughs> so lucky. Yeah. I, I love your rolls. Um, you don't get anything out of that. Okay. Um, did they lock the door? Yes. The door is locked. It is one of those really large keyholes that you see in movies sometimes uh, that's very easy to pick. Um, you are not very skilled with lockpicks. You've never used them before. You're kind of thinking, I, I could probably do that. Okay. Um, the window in your room is very large. Uh, you could, as, as I said before, you could very easily sit, like, fit through it. You notice the toilet that's in the room, when you walk over to it, there seems to be a large hole as if it's just leading down into the sewers. Mm -hmm. um, and on one wall, there is 
what is very clearly a door that's been scraped from the, so the uh, the whole prison is made of bricks with mortar. The mortar has been scraped out in a very clearly door shaped pattern on one wall, and one guard sits at sits at the uh, front looking at you and going, "I'm just gonna turn my back on you now." Very unprofessional of me to turn my back on a criminal that could try and escape. So he's literally just standing outside the cell, turned around. Yep. Um, I'm going to go over to the window, I guess. Um, they didn't take my sword, did they? No. You're yeah. Fully armed. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to just shimmy out the window. Okay. Uh, so you start getting up on the window. Give me an acrobatics check because it is a little bit off the floor, and you do have to do a little bit of contorting to get through there. Seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. Okay, you start getting out there as 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 you're moving. You're making noise, um, and the guard from there goes, "Ah, the window. Good choice. Good choice." Just as you're making your way down the down the uh, wall, make sure you don't fall too fast because then no one cares if you just die. He's trying to escape, boys! And he takes off running uh, away from yourself, out the door. Okay. Um, do I get through the window? Uh, yes, but you're now standing about 20 feet above the ground. It's not a huge jump. You feel like you'd probably make it. Um, there is a very conveniently placed hay bale right underneath the window. Oh, so gotta love the subtlety of dwarves. <laughs> um, what about going up? Um, roll perception. 25. I, I can notice things, I just can't do things. <laughs> so, you feel like you could probably climb uh, this building if you needed to. In fact, the cement seems to have been very intentionally made to give you finger holds. Like, you would have an easier time climbing this than you would, like the cliff walls and the caverns around your monastery that you used to climb for training. I go back into the cell and go up to the door and I'm going to try to pick the door. Okay. Um, You don't have uh, thieves tools, right? No. Roll perception. Okay. 23? 23. Um, You see very clearly placed intentionally uh right behind the toilet, but left out enough that someone could easily see them if they're looking around. A pair of thieves' tools with a note that says, definitely left by criminal. I go get those tools and attempt to pick the lock. Okay. Um, give me a thievery check. Thievery. Oh, wow. I have a plus one for thievery. So that's a 13. That's a 13. A thir- You are not super skilled at this. You do get cha- trained in this at the monastery. You don't know why, but they seem very into it for some reason. <laughs> um, it might have something to do with the incredible artwork you have all over the monastery, but you don't know that. Um, so you go over, and you've had to try and pick some very hard locks. You're not good at it. Um, but you know a hard lock when you see one. This is comically easy to pick. You could do this even if you were less than as minimally trained as you are. Okay. You make a few uh, 
moments with the uh, the pick and just pop, the door swings open. Okay. I just walk down the hallway and um, try to blend into the crowd. Okay. Um, you walk down the hallway. As you do, the dwarf that had been calling just looks back and goes, you're in the hall. You're, I thought you were going out the window. They told me I could leave. Roll a deception check. Oh, God. 14. A 14. Okay. Uh, he looks over at you and gives you a very big wink. Sure they did. We totally won't come chasing you soon because obviously you are meant to leave. He gives you two big thumbs up and, and kind of mouths nice idea. <laughs> I, I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to leave. I'm just going to try to blend in with the crowd and walk out. Okay. Uh, as you are walking out, even as you're walking out the door, you see several different uh, criminals just make a break for it. And groups of guards chase after them. Um, this seems to be the thing. Uh, the second you take a step out the door, you hear from behind you. Oh, he lied to me, boys! He was never supposed to leave! Let's get him! What do you do? I giggle to myself. Because this is just so blatant and obvious, and it's it sounds like it's going to be fun. Yep, roll perception. So that's ten. Ten? Okay, you don't see it. Okay. Um, can I just book it? Yeah. Okay. And so it's there's a square in front, right? There's a large square in front. Um, however, it's not... I say large. It's very long. However, this, it's only about 50 feet across. So about two, two city streets across. Okay. Um, and then... What it runs into, there is one major thoroughfare that cuts through the, the square and then a shit ton of alleyways. Okay. It's as if it were made for someone to try and run away from the cops. Okay. So I'm going to run to the third closest alleyway. Okay. And then try to get on the roofs. Okay. You do that. Um, you run to the alleyway. Give me a athletics check on the roof. So do monks have climbing speed at first level? I don't think so. But I don't think it matters right now, because that's a 26. You very easily scurry up the the wall. The building that you're climbing is about three stories, as are all the buildings around you. Uh, You make it up there pretty easily. Um, When you get to the top of the building, roll a perception check. Four plus six. Sorry, it's a ten. I can't express how much I love this. Um, okay, so you take off running um, across the, the rooftops. Where are you heading? Actually, I don't think I'm going to run. I think I'm just going to chill and watch um, from the top of the rooftop. Give me one more perception check with a plus four to your circumstance. So that's seventeen. 17. One of the criminals that runs out of the prison, you see the dwarves catch him in the courtyard in front of the, the prison, or in front of the constabulary. 
Ugh. It's okay, nobody but the Brits can say it. <laughs> One of the dwarves tackles him, and three more come up with axes and hack him to pieces. Hmm. Well, that's unfortunate. You look around, and you see another dwarf caught on the roofs a couple of buildings over from you. Gets filled with crossbow bolts. It has had cut off. You realize that getting caught is going to have very real consequences. This just stopped being a joke. Oh. I give a deep exhale and um, what? so the the buildings are all stone, right? Yep. Okay. I'm going to channel deep into my ancestry and book it. (laughs) Yep. Because I actually have Rockrunner as a feat. Oh, there you go. So I can ignore all difficult terrain um, caused by uneven or uh, ground or rubble. Mm-hmm. And um, I can uh, uh, use acrobatic skill to balance across all narrow surfaces or uneven ground. Okay. And I'm not flat-footed and all that jazz. Yep. Okay, so you take off running. Um, as you do, you hear one of the dwarves from the scene of carnage a couple of buildings over. Look over at you and say, We gotta run our boys! <laughs> all of a sudden, whistles start blowing all around you, and you see the dwarf that had let you out in the first place, the one that was very clearly letting you escape, scramble up to the top of the building, a dagger in his mouth, and he just goes, I'm gonna get choice! Throw himself over the roof and start chasing after you. Roll your choice. You want to roll athletics or acrobatics for how fast you cross these roofs. Athletics. You're going to be going against the dwarves. So that would be a 22. 22. Okay. Um, You start outpacing them very quickly. And as you start to outpace them, you start seeing crossbow bolts start flying by you. Uh, they seem to not like the fact that you are moving faster than they are right now. Roll another... Uh, are you rolling athletics or acrobatics? Athletics. Okay, can you describe how you're moving across the, uh, the roofs for me, please? Sure. Um, I'm imagining kind of like French parkour. Um, very quick, rapid movements. Um, I'm not so much trying to get out of line of sight as I am trying to get distance. So, any chance if there's a decision between cover and distance i'm taking the um distance option so um i figure if my logic is is if i can outpace the arrows i can dodge the arrows (laughs) if you can dodge a wrench you can dodge a ball exactly all right uh give me your next check 16 20 three Okay, uh, as you are fleeing from the dwarves, you look back, and the one that had let you out, you have outpaced a lot of them. The one that you had let that had let you out is now holding two daggers. He's holding them so the kind of reverse grip on them, and just pumping his little arms and legs after you uh, as you are throwing yourself across, like 
gaps that would otherwise like make someone fall to your death. Um, this guy is taking them. You see him grabbing uh, very expertly placed pole vaults, like basically poles for vaulting. He's sticking it and throwing himself across. He's keeping pace with you very quickly. He's actually gaining on you right now. I see him goes, I thank you for running, boy. You're going to make me a lot of renown. Okay. Um, I'm going to keep running, but I'm going to... I'm going to take a chance. And so I'm... I've realized now that they have pole vaults set up. I'm going to take an extra second, kick out one of the... Uh, use one of the pole vaults and take it with me. Okay. So right now we are going to roll initiative. Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. So the dwarf that's behind you is going to... He's not going to quite catch up to you. He's going to make a, a final jump. He's going to get within about 30 feet of you. And he's going to spit the... Or t- spit a dagger out of his mouth. But he... Basically what he does is he takes both the daggers in his hand, puts it in his mouth, grabs a pole vault, and vaults. Okay. It's very impressive. I, I am kind of impressed. But... He spits one into his hand. He's just going to throw it at you. Does a 16 hit. It is my AC, yep. Dealing four damage. Um, That's as close as he gets, though. It's it's his only action he gets. It is now your turn. How close is everyone else? Um, roll perception. 20. Not, uh, dirty 20. Dirty 20. Um, you see there's two other dwarves that are actually involved in this chase. Uh, both of them are, t- are weirdly crossbows, and both of them are about 60 feet behind. They're okay. still within range to shoot right now, um, as you're starting your turn, but they're just in range. Okay. Um, so I'm going to continue with my original plan and try to take the pole vault with me. Okay. Um, so. I'm not going to make you roll to pick up the pole vault. Mm-hmm. You just pick up the pole vault. Do you want to okay. use it to jump or do you want to jump with it? I'm going to, um, yeah, I'm going to jump with it. Okay. Uh, so you're using it to make the jump or you're jumping with it in your hand? I want to, so I want to. Make it with, uh, use it to make the jump. Okay. But push it away, uh, at the end. She's trying to throw so, it into the... To the... Okay, so make a flat, uh, acrobatics check. Okay. So that would be a... 14. A 14. Okay. Um, with a 14, you get up into the air, you throw it down. You start heading to heading towards the other building. And you realize that you're not quite gonna make it. Okay. You do throw the uh, uh, pole vault into actually your choice. Do you want to throw the pole vault into the abyss, or do you want to have the pole vault be lean across the, uh, the section and lean on the other side In, into the street below? Okay. Or I'm assuming a reflex it. save for me. What would reflex? There we go. So that would be fifteen. A 15. Okay. Um, you barely catch the edges as you, as you go by. You just 
<laughs> right into the side of the building. Um, that gives you one action for picking it up, one action for jumping across, and one action for smacking into that building. Okay. Um, so you are now hanging from the side of the building. The dwarf behind you does not need to roll. I'm going to call you prone okay. while you're sitting there. So he's, you're going to take a minus two to your AC. Okay. What's your AC? 16. 16. That's about the minus two? Oh, uh, sorry. So 14. Sorry. 14. This is a critical success. Oh, great. Okay. It's going to be nine damage. Okay. How are you looking health-wise? Uh, not great. All right. He throws a dagger into you. It just <laughs> strikes you. However, that is both of his daggers. Okay. He is now going to take a running jump and try and land on top of you. So he's going to make a first acrobatics check. <laughs> oh, God. So not 20? No. He rolled the one. Oh, God. So, this dwarf is going to come flying, and you look below you as he just right into the side of the building with his arms upstretched, just falls back, dealing as he hits the ground, you hear a crunch. He just lays there motionless. I shake my head. Poor sod. And, uh, um, before you before yep. you get to move, you hear uh, a dwarf behind you start cussing as his crossbow misfires and smacks him in the face. Thank goodness. What's your, your AC is 14, 14 right, now. right now. That's not a critical failure. And another crossbow smacks into the building right next to your hand. Okay. Your turn. I crawl up on the building. I pull myself onto the building. Yep. And run. Okay. Are you going to take two strides? So you can take one stride to get to the edge of the next building, and then you would need to make another action to either jump across or try and find the uh, pole wall. So I'm going to go to the side of the building. I'll look down. What kind of... Um, You're about 30 feet up. 30 feet. And what kind of scene am I looking at on the street below me? Uh, it's a small alleyway. There's... Uh, Several trash cans that are just kind of there filled with trash. Very um, fortuitously for you, because you could jump down into any of those. Mm-hmm. You do hear whistles behind you. However, at this point, you're beginning to realize they're probably not all for you. Yeah. <laughs> um. There is a couple of windows in there. You could probably duck into one of those buildings. Uh, and the distance for the jump is about 10 feet. Okay. Um, if I jump over to the next building, am I still line of sight for the crossbowman? Uh, you would still be line of sight, but you'd be able to duck behind the, uh, the eaves of the building to get on Okay, so I'm going to do that. Okay. Uh, give me an acrobatics check. So that would be a 20, dirty 20. Okay. You get across, and you, uh, drop behind for cover. Um, you're not in stealth or anything like that. You're just under cover, and... So you duck behind the eaves of the building. Uh, give me a stealth check. Okay. It's great. It's, um... I think it, it's going to be a 25. Okay, a 25 is a critical success. Uh, you duck behind the eaves of the building. 
Uh, and you slide it on the side, and you see the two dwarves that have been pursuing you actually overshoot you, get bored, and head off in different directions. You are now alone and unpursued. What do you do? Um, I'm going to make a beeline for the hideout okay. that um, my fellow undesirables like to frequent. Okay. Um, you start making your way through the city. Uh, as you do, you in the immediate vicinity, you see the truth of what this actually is. You see a couple other criminals get run down and murdered. You see the guards do it in as public way as possible. And you can just see the the money signs in their eyes as they head back. This is a factory for producing renown from people escaping from prison. You understand now why you heard so many stories of the single Vic guard chasing down criminals. Because they want you to. So I just got very, very lucky. Incredibly so. Yeah. You make your way to the uh, the hideout. So, the hideout that you're going to is kind of a home for wayward dwarven children. There's actually a lot of people from your order that wind up there. Um, you're not the only one. You actually have a very good friend there uh, that's na- whose name is Nuffer. The building that you guys are staying in is a small squat Dwarven building, like all the other ones you've seen. What makes this one different than the other ones that you've seen is that it is kind of abandoned looking. Uh, you're in a part of Singravik that is very, very, very close to the ships. It's not quite in the ships. It is not going to disappear out from under you. Um, but it is not prime real estate. Uh, the building that you're in has some broken down rocking horses in a corner. and another corner, there's... Uh, some vats that would have been used for rendering pig tallow. Uh, this building has very clearly seen a lot of uses over the time. Right now, it's the hideout for you and your group. As you get in, you see Precious standing there with her hands on her hips in a very motherly, very clearly motherly uh, expression drawn on her foot, face. She holds out a tablet and writes on it, Where have you been? Very obstinately say, uh, don't look at me like that. (laughs) Knowing full well she just drew that on. She wipes her face and draws a concerned looking mouth on her face and goes, Seriously, you should have gotten away pretty easily. What happened? I had to make sure the orc survived. Wipes her face and now draws a frown on her face and writes in her tablet, no, you didn't. He could have just died there, and it would have been no trouble. I I couldn't live with myself. I had to. And you know that. She wipes her face and draws kind of like... I don't know the word for the, the facial expression, but where your mouth is kind of at a line that's uh, uh, kind of at a diagonal. Very... I think the word is chagrined. Yes. Uh, she draws a chagrined look on her face and says to you... Or writes out to you, If you had let him die, you would have gotten away clean and would not be now chased by a diplomat. What happened with the guards? Please tell me it wasn't a show station. 
It wasn't a show station, I say, as I nod my head, yes. Uh, she looks, he, she, she puts her very, very performatively, puts her face in her hands and goes, You got away clean, though, right? I did, yes. Okay, they're gonna pre, then she writes into her, her tablet, You're gonna, they're gonna pretend you never existed. That's fine. We need to deal with the diplomat. We can do that later. Right now, you need to go speak to Bosco. Um, he's waiting for you. He knows there's trouble. Uh, he's got a performance coming up. Just go up there and wait for him to finish. Okay, okay. So you exit your hideout, and in the pra- place of privilege um, that is only given to Bosco, you see Bosco performing in the square right outside. There's a large crowd, and as he comes out, you hear him go, I am no! Bosco is a gnome. He is a deep gnome with dusky gray skin, white eyes, black hair. Uh, he's about four feet tall. Um, but he is wearing a jolly green suit. Um, with red cuffs, a bright green hat, and he has covered himself in wildflowers that you know he gets at great expense to pretend to be a woodland mill. As he does his performance, he's singing songs, he's dancing, he's doing all these things that the dwarves of Singravik associate with the more frivolous gnomes of the woodlands. Um... He is very clearly attempting to put on an act that is kind of novel to the dwarves of And it's working. He draws a large crowd. Uh, there's people that are actually kind of mouthing along as if they've seen this before and know the act and are just here to enjoy it. Um, the people that are doing that are also keeping their hands very firmly on their valuables. You see, moving through the crowd... The other two parts of your little merry band, um, outside of the other kind of orphan dwarves that make up the group, uh, two other poppets named Curly and Muffy, um, working their way through the crowd, stealing purses, rings, watches, whatever they can get their hands on as everyone's distracted by Buffo. What do you do? I just smile. I'm going to watch the performance for a little bit. Okay. The performance goes on for a little bit, not too long. People start to get bored of Buffo slash kind of annoyed with him pretty quickly. Uh, And as soon as it looks like the crowd is about to break up, Buffo starts doing these acrobatic tricks to his big finale where he just throws up his hands up in the air and all of a sudden sparks shoot out from behind him. Uh, He walks over to you just kind of sees you immediately just heads heads your way stops in front of you takes a cigarette out of his pack lights and goes so I heard you fucked up kid I didn't fuck up alright I fucked up yeah you fucked up we've already paid off the cards you're, you're, you're free and clear there. 
But you paid off the guards but didn't get me out of prison? No. I... We had like ten people watching that. It's gonna make good renown. Oh, okay. Alright. I'll give you ten percent. Okay. Alright. The problem is that diplomat. The the son was supposed to be a, a, a champion dueler or something like that. Could have fooled me. Yeah, he could have fooled a lot of people. His dad pays for his wins. But he doesn't know that. So you just fought a kid that has paid for everyone he's ever had for real and cut off his arm. Now his dad's pissed. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's looking for you. Guess I need to um, change of scenery. Change of scenery might do it. Um, we're looking for a way to pay him off. Well, can't a priest just reconnect the arm? Yes, it's already happened. Oh. That's not the point. Oh, was it the embarrassment? You did it in front of a group of dwarves, and they're all talking about it. There's already several of them who knew who the fuck that was. Do you know who that was? No, he just came up and challenged me. I was trying to keep the crowd engaged, yeah, alright? that was the son of the captain of the island Gadu, and yeah, he, he, he's a big deal. And now he's pissed. And we tried to give him money, and he doesn't want it. He wants satisfaction. Because that's the Vargenzi for you. Here's my plan. Alright? We need to give him enough renown to leave you alone, but not so much to break our bank. You're gonna have to go out and make some. Okay, that seems fair. Alright. Well, that's on you. He just turns around and walks away. What time of day is it? It is now about mid-afternoon. I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> and go back into the hideout. As you start to head back into the hideout, he whips around and goes, No, right now. Right now, you need to start right now. Okay, then can you get one of the puppets to come with me? He goes, I want you to make the renown through tips. Do you even know what legitimate means? I've never heard the word before in my life. But you're going to make it through tips. My shoulders drop and I sigh and I'll say, fine, fine, fine. But shouldn't I wait until this all blows over anyway? At least give it a day. Fine, fine. Give it a day. Tomorrow, though, you're back on the streets, and you're performing, and I'm not counting anything Precious gets for you. It's just your tips. Fine, fine If she fine. steals it from you, that's on you. Precious, Precious, behind him, looks at you and goes, <laughs> shakes her head. Very I, clearly not going to do that. I kind of giggle to myself. Not outwardly, but just like, oh god, <laughs> and then just walk into the uh, the hideout. Okay, uh, you walk into the hideout, and what you walk into, we've already talked about all the things. Mm -hmm. The real hideout is not that big. The real hideout is the sub basement underneath. As you guys go down, uh, you see a large room filled with. Dwarves at various ages of childhood. 
There are other dwarves like you who are just newly minted adults. There are dwarven teenagers. There are dwarven children. There's even a couple of dwarven babies kicking around. Uh, roll perception. 17. 17. Um, as you look around, you notice that you don't see your friend nothing. I, I take a second glance. Because he's always here. Yeah, he, he's always here. He should definitely be back by now. Roll perception again with a plus Seventeen again. Seventeen again. Okay. Uh, you still don't spot him. Um, which is weird. Again, he's he's always here at this time. Um, what do you do? I go over to Precious. Um, and I ask her, "What what happened enough her? Uh, shouldn't he be back by now?" Precious looks at you, wipes your face, draws enough frown, and writes, Nuffer's not coming back. What do you mean, Nuffer's not coming back? She wipes out her, her uh, tablet and then wipes her face and draws a frown with crying eyes on it and says, He was caught by the guards. He didn't even have a performance that crazy today, did he? She looks at you, wipes her face, and draws something kind of a very interesting looking face. Roll a perception check. 16. 16. Her face is kind of giving you the impression and this is more to do with her ability in drawing than it does with your ability in reading faces, gives you the impression that you're not supposed to talk about this. She writes on there, he was out anyway, and in very small writing rights. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Would I kind of understand (laughs) the lack of subtlety behind this message? Um... You would understand the lack of you would understand the lack of subtlety. The question is whether you would follow Precious's lead or not. I would say that your character has never been done wrong by Precious. Yeah, um, so I, it's up I to think you. I would be more inclined to leave Precious out of this and go straight to what I believe would be the source. Yep. So I'm gonna go find Bosco. Okay. Uh, as you start walking away from Predators, she puts her hand on you and pulls you back and says, It's too late. Don't bother. You did good today. Don't let Bosco get you down. What do you mean it's too late? And I'm slightly in denial about knowing what the guards have done. And I'm, I, I need to hear it said. She wipes her face, wipes her tablet, draws on her face a deep frown with lots of tears, and then writes, he's already gone, 
There's nothing you can do. I kind of like swallow back a, like a choke cry mm-hmm. um, and kind of stumble off to my bunk. Okay. Um, I have some liquid solace there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to take a few minutes to try to deal with this because I have no reason to distrust Precious, so I'm going to take it at face value. Okay. Um, as you are drinking yourself, silly, Precious kind of sits next to your bunk and writes on your tablet, can I have some? (laughs) I look over at her. Is this something that she's asked before? No. I I look over at her confused and say, where where are you going to put it? So the one thing on Precious that is actually mobile and are very expressive are her eyes. Mm-hmm. They're very human. Mm-hmm. She rolls her eyes at you without changing her face at all. And I just hand her the bottle. She then punches herself in the face, breaking a little hole, and just pouring the liquor down down her her uh, little broken hole in her face, um, and then hands it back to you. You see her entire body gets wet for a second, and then she snaps her fingers, and everything gets clean and fixed. You know, that's a pretty cool trick you got there. She looks at you and writes on her tablet, it was way cooler when I had a real body to drink with. Yeah, you got to tell me about that sometime, but not right now. She goes, not ever. Agreed not to. Fine, fine. And I take another swig. She writes back to you, if all you can... Fine to make you happy as booze. You're gonna have a rough life, kid. I acknowledge that she wrote something, but take another swig with emphasis. Uh, she wipes her face and wipes this, and draws a small smile on it and goes, "I would do the same." I mean, he's gone, and I didn't get to say goodbye. It's Yeah, and he kind of just clams up. I clam up. She wipes her face and draws, again, another interesting one. I want you to roll another perception check. Uh, 13. 13. You don't catch this one. She then wipes her face and draws just a blank face on it. Looks at you and goes... Did you see it? I look at her confused and ask, see what? She looks away and then looks back at you, wipes her tablet and writes in very small script. Did you see the devil? I take a second look. I reread it a time or two and nod yes and then add a long time ago. She looks down and goes, wipes her tablet in very small script, writes again. Buffo makes deals.
Can I roll an intelligence check? I want yep. this. Go for it. So that would be a 13. A 13? With a 13, you don't quite get that. Can I ask again, say, Oscar makes deals? She wipes her face completely blank, looks at you, rolls her eyes super hard, and then goes, with devils, and then wipes the face. Wipes the tablet again. I feel like I get hit with a uh, ton of bricks. Not just, like, clay bricks, but, like, dwarven stone bricks. Yep. Um, I, I, like, barely can accept it. I, I ask again. Not ask again. I ask. Wait. Nuffer? And that's all I say. She looks at you and just nods her, nods her head. And... Bosco did it. Not again. I jump out from the cot. She, as you start to jump up from the cot, she puts her hand on you and then writes back, "You can't fight him. Don't try. Just don't be next. I like you." I'm confused. Like, I trusted him. Well, as far as you can trust it, backstabbing, no. But I did have respect for him. I um, I sit back down and try to think. Okay. And I'm I'm struggling to deal with this. Um. She looks at you and goes, "I'm pretty sure the shipment has already been made." He's already gone. Bosco doesn't have him anymore. I'm only telling you this because I liked him and I'm tired. You're tired? Tired of what? Possessing a fucking doll. What? Is he making you? Would you want to be a porcelain doll if you had the option to be literally anything else? I scratch my head and say, that's fair. I think that answer is obvious. Can I help? No. But you can get back Ruffo. How? Find him. I'm going to. He's going to break me after he finds out. That's fine. But find Ruffa. Okay. I stand up. I gather what few belongings I have and I in a less obvious way, try to escape from the hideout. Okay. Uh, you get up and you start walking over. It, it's not like a big space. So like you can get to your your uh, 
belongings without like losing sight of Precious, as you do. Bosco appears suddenly, very, very clearly making himself visible from the spiller. And he looks at Precious and goes, You've been really fucking around, Precious. Too much lately. I doubt that you're not happy the body you put you in. But all you need to do was another two more years and I would have gotten your meat sack. But no, you have to be all sacrimonious and stuff. Takes out a hammer. Precious doesn't move. He is completely ignoring you as he approaches her and continues to berate her for her disloyalty. What do you do? I do know that he would be beyond me, skill-wise, yep. and I do know that um, Precious is very unhappy. I think over the past few weeks, has she been dropping hints about this, or yes, yeah. I I think I have to swallow the guile, like the the bile in the back of my throat, and say to myself, "This is this has to happen." I'm going to try to run. Okay. So Thross watches as Bosco approaches the person who has probably been the nicest to him since he lost his entire group in the deep mines to that depth. He watches as Bosco approaches her with a hammer and she sits motionless and he watches as he shatters her to pieces he continues to pick up his stuff as the almost pleasant sound of tinkling porcelain falling to the ground as it is shattered hits his ears you finish packing as Bosco looks over and says, And you! It's not your fault that you told you that. So if you can agree that you're not going to try and act on it, I'll let you go. It'll be a binding agreement, though. I... I have to swallow my terror. I'm shaking. I'm so scared. I just saw somebody who was the first person to generally be nice to me get shattered by somebody I, well, kind of trusted. Um, I think for a second and I say, binding agreement? Binding. As in, a contract for the capital C. What would happen if I was to break your agreement? You die. Okay. I agree. Bosco's form changes. Gone is the deep no dressed in the silly costume. In his place stands a leathery-skinned, winged 
imp that looks at you and says, Contract heard and sealed. All you need to do is sign in blood. And he whips out his hand, and a shining sheet of paper falls from him. He hands it to you. Hands you a knife and says, In blood, kid. I read through the contract. Okay. If you want to try and lead, read through the contract, you're more than welcome to. I want you to roll a lore legal. That'd be an intelligence check if you don't have the skill, which I don't think you do. I don't. Um, so that's 18 on the dice. Plus zero, so 18. 18. 18 is still a pretty good roll. Um, as you read through the contract, what it basically says is that you are agreeing to never look for Nuffer. Never say the name Nuffer. Never remember Nuffer. If you break any of these tenets, your soul is forfeit. Even if you do it unintentionally. So if you ever think of Nuffer again, your soul is forfeit. I look up at the the imp. Say, let me remember him at least. He looks at you and goes, You're not in a place to really be negotiating now, kid. Swallowing deep, uh, swallowing deeply, I say, and, uh, excuse me, I think to myself, Roll flat intelligence check. Flat intelligence. 16. 16. You understand this, this contract is written in such a way that you are never going to be able to fulfill its, its points. Like, you are going to fail it. You can't not think of nothing. Especially if you sign a contract saying you will never think of nothing. I, realizing this, wishing I had the backbone to stand up and fight, I sign it. Okay. And I accept the facts that I'm failing. Roll a flat wisdom save. So this would be a will save. A will save. So that would be um, 14. 14. You immediately think of Nuffer. And immediately Bosco's eyes twinkle. He goes, Well, your soul is forfeit now, I guess. That was fast. Might even be a record. Alright. Well, when you die, I'm gonna come for you in the void. And you're gonna come with me. Alright, coward? I shake my head and just walk away. As you do, he takes a crystal out of his pocket and starts tossing in there and catching No perception. Eight. You don't get anything. Perception when it counts. Yep. (laughs) I walk away with my belongings. You walk away with your belongings. What do you do? I'm deep in despair at this point. You are sitting, you are walking away from a room that is full of the shards of your friend Precious. An imp that you once thought was a gnome, that you once thought you could trust, and now have 
sold your soul to. In a city you are wanted for murder and possibly killing a guard. Where are you headed? I'm deep in despair. The only place I know where I, I want to not exist. And the only place I know where uh, things don't exist is the, the shifts. Okay. So I head there. You head towards the shifts. As you do, you hear the calls of the city around you that you've, you've known pretty well at this point. You've been here for about a month. So long as you've been in any place since you were at the temple. Um, in that time, this place has come to feel like home. But now the, the calls start to feel a little bit different. You hear guards' whistles. Where before you were thinking that was guards chasing down bad guys, you realize it's guards going out to murder people for Renau. You hear barkers yelling at you for goods and services. And in each one of their faces, you see Bosco making a deal for your soul after murdering your friend in front of you and after kidnapping the only person you ever really felt kinship from from your temple. The city feels like poison. You head to the only place that you know you can find oblivion, and that's the shifts. What are you thinking as you enter the shifts? It's not clear thoughts. It's just despair. I can't concentrate on anything. It's just a lingering darkness that I'm focusing on that I can't get out of. And I just feel lost. As you wander through the shifts, I'm going to have you roll initiative. Fourteen. Fourteen, alright. As you wander through the shifts, the world around you begins to change. Gone are the squat stone buildings of Singervik. Instead, you step into the glowing, radiant sunshine of the Vargensi Isles. Everyone around you is an orc or a goblin. All of them are going about their business. No one gives you a second look. There are also people of every race kind of surrounding you. You are in a very busy place. Um, I want you to roll a will save. Seventeen. Seventeen. As you wander through this place, it's an instant in which you are surrounded by a group of people. Very quickly, you, you fall into uh, mud huts with palm frown roofs uh, that get blurrier and blurrier, and you begin to feel the world around you just cease to exist. And you take a step.
and around you is a howling storm. Magic crackles and smashes into rocks. Um, and in this swirling typhoon, you see a tall catfolk man just laughing. <laughs> uh, as a storm crashes around him, uh, roll a fortitude save. Not one. Not one. Okay. Of course it's not one. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. As the storm hits you, you are thrown uh, into the air, thrown about in a cyclone and smashed to the ground, dealing... Five damage. How much health do you have? One health point. Yes, sir. You get up. What do you do? I keep walking. I don't know what else to do. You keep walking through the storm as it howls and buffets you. This time, finding yourself... Walking through a massive forest with trees as thick as buildings. We're talking trees that are 20 feet across. You hear bird calls around you that you quickly realize are not birds. I want you to make a reflex save. Um, 14. 14. A 14 does not do, actually. I can't see. It's a natural 20. Ah, God bless it. A 14 does not do it. As you are wandering through these woods, you feel... Two arrows hit you. You collapse to the ground. And then you wake up. All your possessions are all your possessions are gone. Except for your sword. You had a fair bit of renown when you left um, Singravik. That's all gone too. You had some mementos from Nuffer and from other people from the temple that you loved. That's all gone. Everything you had on value beside your sword has been taken. I look around. You're still in the woods. Still in the woods. I resign myself to the fact that I have nothing and... That means both physically and emotionally, really. So I get up and I head back into the shifts. I really am just, my goal is to not exist. You end the shifts with no particular destination. 
And as you wander through the swirling mist and flashing lights that make up the deep, deep shifts, the part of shif- the shifts where reality stops being real- reality and just becomes raw potential. You hear a voice saying, It's going to be alright, son. Come find me. I know it hurts. I know you feel lost. You can be found. Don't give up yet. You'll find a life. It's always there. As long as you keep walking. Roll one last will save and do it with a plus four circumstance bonus. 28. 14. You are ready to lay down and die. You're ready to lay down the shifts, and at this point in Singravik, you understand what that means. It means you cease to be. You're fine with that. But at these phantom words, you get up, you take a step. You take another step. What are you doing since you saw that demon covered in the blood and viscera of everyone you'd ever loved coming for you after making a deal with someone that you thought you could trust? As you, you, as you take that step, you feel yourself throwing that punch and banish that demon from the world. You step into a square. The square has people that are covered in fog and mist but on closer inspection you see they're just blurry also has people that are as real as you or I coming in out of a tavern with a sign above it covered in hundreds of mismatched shots what do you do? I mutter to myself this is as good a place as any and walk in and that's where we're going to end our session. You've been listening to Risk and Reputation, a Sea of Stars story. Sea of Stars is sole property of Andy Lou's media. You may not, except with our express permission, distribute or commercially exploit this content in any way. You are welcome to share with others for personal use, but please acknowledge Andy Lou's media and the Sea of Stars podcast. We would also like to give a heartfelt thank you to our beta listeners, Alex Pooling, Matthew Gringenwood, David Janicich, and Angela Bellinger. We did not use Sirenscape for this particular episode, but we do on most of them, and you should check them out at sirenscape.com. And finally, I'd like to thank Chris Meager for his dashing portrayal of Ross Coindelver. And the random guy I stole off the streets so many weeks ago. He's beginning to miss his family, but it's not my problem. And also me, Troll Toad, whose bridge you take these wonderful adventures on. Now, get off my bridge. It's the sea of stars. Give us just a piece of your attention. The sea of stars. Just a tiny piece of your immortal soul. The sea of stars. We we'll spin and spin our stories till they're told. To fulfill your needs, we're 
rock resting side by side Orcs and elves and crooks all know that stories aren't just books And if you can make them believe, you can satiate your greed It's a sea of stars, give us just a piece of your attention The sea of stars, just a tiny piece of your mortal soul The sea of stars, we spin and spin our stories till they're told